The Minister for Home Affairs says the face of terrorism and radicalisation is changing with many more lone wolf actors and more young people in the caseload. Just two months ago, the AFP expressed concerns that extremist groups are targeting young people and exposing them to dangerous content across online gambling platforms. Claire O'Neill has today told the National Press Club two years of a pandemic has seen children spend a lot more time online. Over the last year, somewhere around half of ASIO's most, uh, people of most concern have been under the age of 18. A big change in the shape of this problem. We do need to think differently about this cohort of people. Um, we need to think a lot more about what may be driving them and motivating them to violence and then how do we get them off that path Dr Clark Jones is a research fellow in the School of Psychology at the Australian National University and specialises in radicalisation and terrorism. Clark, welcome to Drive. Well, um, thanks, Catherine. Oh, terrible start. Thanks, Catherine, no, for having me. not at all. It's great to have <laughs> your company. I'm sure it has. <laughs> I, I just want to start by asking if you, if you share the concerns that we heard from uh, the minister there. Are we really seeing more children being radicalised? I think so. Look, I, I think um, I really have to see uh, the uh, the information on where um, uh, the minister gets gets that from, and it's very hard to, from my perspective, without having privilege to that information. Mm. But but certainly, um, you know, COVID isolation has meant that you have much more uh, more people, more younger people, looking uh, over the internet at, at, at all sorts of content. And um, there is the potential for uh, people to be radicalised or... I don't, I don't like using the term radicalised, but certainly be motivated by uh, the material they see. But radicalisation, if that's what you want to call it, it's not only done over the internet. Of course, face-to-face radicalisation and meeting with, uh, meeting with friends and that sort of stuff can exchange ideas and um, it can... Uh, sometimes potentially lead to um, uh, antisocial behaviours. Mm. What do you make of Claire O'Neill's point that after two years of a pandemic, lots of young people have been removed from families, communities and their sporting groups, the very social groups that help develop a child's behaviour, at least feed into a child's behaviour and that they're spending more time online? Do you do you share those concerns? Oh, look, certainly. I agree 100%. Um, when, when you when young people are involved in sport or they have um, uh, other types of pro-social activities with school, um, it, it sort of counteracts uh, some of the negative um, material they may have um, been exposed to over the uh, periods or, of lockdown. So it's very a, a very real concern. Um, but now we're starting to open up. We'll, we'll hopefully um, there'll be people out there that'll be able to challenge those um uh, particularly with school and, mm. and with some of the studies we've done earlier, um, school connectedness um, is a, a school connectedness, family connectedness, community connectedness. They're all sort of strong uh, pro-social um, uh, type areas that can uh, counter counter counteract some of that negative uh, negativity. Mm. Well, if we can just go to one of the AFP examples, in October, um, they had identified one instance of a teen engaged with online content depicting the recreation of the 2019 Christchurch terrorist attack in a popular online game. That child then allegedly shared the content across their social media channels. How would you like to see our agencies respond to this? And should it be law enforcement agencies as the first response? 
It, it, you know, it really depends on uh, what that actually led to. I mean, it's it's not uncommon for uh, young people, and going back to um, Daesh or the Islamic State, where they would. Um, I heard of people sharing stuff online or sharing photos, and um, look, it's not it's not uncommon, but what that could potentially lead to, and they would have had greater oversight of that individual involved, and there may have been, um, it may have led to other sorts of things. It's a difficult difficult situation for police and and for governments to get involved with um, with young people and families and communities. I mean, how far how far should they go? Uh, into that uh, space, and particularly with people uh, under the age of 18. I suppose my concern is too many younger people getting involved in the criminal justice system because it's certainly uh, a slippery slope from there. So, uh, you know, it really comes down to, you know, greater efforts at uh, engaging with uh, communities and, and in some cases with, with families um, as the families being the people that really need to make the decisions mm. around uh, supporting the young people. Mm. So, And I imagine you could also the, introduce healthcare professionals into all of that, we, so it's not just through this lens of the justice system. Without a doubt. And, and really, um, we say that with a lot of um, uh, young kids that uh, have had problematic behaviour, getting delinquency, that really um, healthcare professionals and, um, you know, sociologists, um, sorry, uh, youth workers and mm. psychologists and it's a much better taking it from a health perspective rather than a security perspective and I think um, other countries are experiencing um, that that's going to be, that's a much better way at reducing um, the load in the criminal justice system. Mm. Um, so, um, but you know, that said, if it gets to a situation where the police have to respond, um, well, that, you know, that's a, we're lucky to have um, uh that in Australia in particular, yeah. that we need to be feel protected and communities need to feel protected. But what's, you know, what's the threshold of that? And I've, you know, I've also done studies myself and uh, had seen other studies where over-policing, uh, where young people feel they are, they are not protected or they're over-surveilled or, mm-hmm. um, and that can actually lead to gang, gang behaviour and also lead to criminality where mm-hmm. they act out. Um, so getting the balance right, I, you know, <laughs> I feel sorry for the police and government trying to get that right. It's, it is really, really difficult. Mm. Dr Clark Jones is a research fellow at the Australian National University and specialises in radicalisation and terrorism. He's here talking about the Home Affairs Minister's comments today that ASIO is seeing more young people being radicalised. Clark, the AFP has seen far-right terrorism-related investigations increase from 2% prior to 2020, so prior to the pandemic, to about 15% in 2020. What would you attribute that jump in numbers to? Um, I, you know, I think that there was so much focus on uh, Islamic-inspired terrorism, um, uh, and there was, you know, a lot of focus uh, by the by the government about, you know, uh, refugees and immigrants, and you know, I think there's there's partly to blame the media as well, and, and government, and um, you know, <laughs> I won't take academics out of that as well, but. Um, I think when you create the the other you know the other ring or the, the suspect communities, then people feel like they've got to take action themselves if they don't think the government's taking a response. And I think that's where you start to get the you know the rise of the the right wing extremism. Mm. Look, I'm, I haven't focused a lot in my research on right wing extremism, and there are others that are far greater expertise than I have. But certainly, the, it's a quid pro row there. You know, where, they, where you see the you know almost both sides. Um, 
uh, you know, sort of taking action or feeling like they're not being protected. But, mm. um, you know, the, the, I think the othering is a real problem uh, for the rise of the right. And when we, even through during COVID, where we, you know, we, we blame the Chinese, uh, the Chinese government at one point for, um, for, you know, so we're still sort of putting the blame on others and um, that the, the threats are coming from outside. Um, and, you know, I think that that can lead to uh, the rise of right wing where they don't feel confident with what the government's doing. Well, when, um, yeah, when you look at those ideologies, I know Claire O'Neill pointed out that the face of terrorism is, is changing. There's a lot more lone wolf actors. The attacks yes. are somewhat less sophisticated. And there is this diversity of ideologies motivating the individual, often away from religious fundamentalism, as you've just been yes. discussing. So what challenges then do this, does this pose for prevention and, and also detection? Well, one of the, you know, really, I mean, we saw this with organised crime where um, police and, and intelligence um, and the security agencies became far more sophisticated. You know, their, their methods of detecting and, uh, and, and operating and uh, disrupting became far more sophisticated. And I suppose the other side of that is it, it became, uh, you know, I'd say very difficult for larger groups to put activity together before they would be noticed. So as soon as you put, you know, the group becomes large, it really does get detected quickly, mm. um, you know, through communication of some sort. Uh, and there's all sorts of ways that the government can detect communication, um, whether that be online or face-to-face. So, um, you know, I, I think that has had a, um, whether we like it or not, has had an effect on, um, you know, the more more of the lone actors. Um, mm. There's also been the virtual membership of groups where we saw with Islamic State, where you could be claim membership with Islamic State, but really had no connection whatsoever apart from... Um, you know, wanting to be part of the the broader picture from from online material. So, um, it's very hard to sort of find when a lone actor is um, uh, getting to a point where they want to act out on what they see. They want to take action. Mm. Um, they might see over, overseas events um, where they feel compelled to want to do something. Mm. Um, you know, we saw young people uh, hopping on planes or getting across. Uh, to join the Islamic State, and um, it's, it's not just. I'm sorry that that's sort of more the sort of the focus of my research. Um, but on the other side is is really um, the you know really it's the, the effectiveness of government. They've been they have been very very effective, um, and and credit to them for that. But mm. um, the other side is we're now seeing more more lone actors, and and it could be these individuals, as Claire O'Neill was saying. Um, being motivated by uh, what they see online and um, not being able to do anything about it. Not all kids will act out in violence and there's only a very small proportion that would uh, that would take uh, extra action. Mm. Trying to find who that is, it must be, you know, an incredible struggle. Um, and, and what I, you know, would strongly encourage, I mean, there's a lot more work to be done on effective community engagement and be able to work with... Um, of course. Of uh, course communities to to um, have greater relationships where they'll they will yeah. share information of uh, of concern to them schools as well I mean I don't want you know you don't want police or government entering into schools that that is a you know a safe place for kids um, so they don't want to feel like that it's no longer safe for them but um, you know, it's a difficult job yeah, to try and find these lone actors. A huge amount of engagement needed all round uh, we're out of time but it's been great speaking with you Dr Clark Jones thank you for your time thanks Catherine Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.